practitioners are guilty of this. Vendors are guilty about this. Too many people think that if you fall into jargon and start spouting geek speak, that you're going to impress people. In fact, the opposite is true. All you're going to do is turn them off because they're going to start tuning you out and then you've lost your message and an opportunity that could be quite valuable. Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? Welcome to another episode of Audience First. I have a very special guest with me today, uh, a friend from halfway across the world, Jenny Bodden. Jenny, uh, I will not do justice with your introduction, so please do tell me about yourself. What do you do? Uh, why do you do it also? Well, my official title is Head of Corporate Information Security for a company in New Zealand called Computer Concepts Limited. And what I do is I am largely responsible for my, my team and I are responsible for our internal security within, within CCL. But we also play a large role with our, within our governance area and security governance, making sure that when we deliver services to our clients, that those services have been properly configured, that we've, we've done the security reviews, that we're not going to be introducing a service that's got all sorts of vulnerabilities or weak or a weak security design. So that, that is what I spend a lot of my time doing. I, um, with the team, I work on our assurance program. So there's never a shortage of the entertaining uh, uh, aspects of work uh, for us. And as for why I do what I do, well, you can't be in security unless you're passionate about it. Uh, it's just, there's so many, I know that if you're working in IT, there's always going to be something, something new to learn. Um, but I think Security, unlike most other areas, is it's, it's, it's constantly them versus us. So I think, like many of my fellow practitioners, uh, I'm, I'm a, I've got a secret desire to be a superhero and save the world. So yeah, that's that's why I do what I do. I love the work that I do. I learn something new every single day. Um, it's it's an awesome field to be in. It's fun to finally connect. What's been a few months, right? Mm -hmm. I think a few months. Yeah. And um, what what have you been up to lately? Well, dealing with uh, what feels like endless audits by various uh, audit bodies. And while we're busy with doing that, dealing with the issues that are presented to us on a daily basis, trying to get our security posture better than we think it should be. Um, and, you know, life is, life is constantly full of challenges. You think that you're going to have a quiet day and then wham, something happens, there's an incident and then you've got to drop everything and deal with that. But uh, it's always worth it. And uh, even though there are times when it gets a little stressful, we learn every time. Mm -hmm. What do you learn? Um, 
quite often how not to do things. Uh, we had we've had a we had some we've had some interesting um, issues where um, we kind of said, well, you know, if we actually just follow the processes that we've that we've actually got pretty robust documentation around, and we listen to what we wrote down for ourselves, maybe that maybe that wouldn't have happened in the first place. Other times, it's, okay, that this is a this is a problem. We need to. This is something that we haven't actually uh, identified properly yet. Let's write it up. We've got a risk, or we've got an issue, or it's a you know a problem as defined by um, IT service management. Let's but whichever however we define it, let's write it up. Let's find out. Let's figure out what's causing the problem. Let's make it better. Yeah. So before we kind of dig into the core questions of, of the session, um, I want to noodle a little bit on a couple things that you had mentioned. No worries. You said, you said that um, mostly it's, it's finding out what not to do. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to know, you're into psychology, right? And I'd like to know, in your opinion, why do you think people aren't following those processes? What's the kind of the bottleneck or the challenge there for, for teams not following those processes? That's an excellent question. And I think sometimes it's because people, the process may be too hard. We've tried to over-engineer it. And then people do start off by trying to follow the process. And then, uh, okay, if I am going to follow this process exactly then maybe there's five or ten people who need to approve what I'm going to do and it's going to take me too long to get that get through that so I'm going to find a workaround and then it, mm. and then there's sometimes when the wheels come off other times it may be that they genuinely just didn't stop to think what is the impact if I get this wrong I had a discussion with uh, one of our engineers yesterday um, about some changes that we need to make on our email servers. And I said, to, and he said to me, can I just do it tonight? And I said to him, okay, if we just do it tonight, is that going to potentially stop people from getting their emails? Um, is this something, and is this something that they need to do? Uh, or do we need to prep them in some way so that, before we make this change and he said oh yeah I hadn't thought of that but quite often people get inside their head and they don't think outside the box as to what could the impact be on somebody else if, if I make a mistake in your opinion what are some of the alternatives or ways to help those teams get out of their heads and make it easier for them to follow the processes and become more resilient if you will I know that that term is is floating around the industry and, and quite needed. Mm -hmm. So I think, first of all, just be absolutely brutal and honest about the process. Have we really, have we, have we got in, have we simply just made it too complicated and too hard for people to, 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 to follow? Because if the answer is yes, then, then the, that's our fault. It's not, it's not the fault of the engineers. But sometimes by asking to, to, to answer the second part of your question, sometimes we just need to ask the right questions to help them to think beyond what's in, in here. And look, it, it may be that once they've answered those questions, they were right after all, but quite often I find that by just 
asking some probing questions, they realize that there's some things that they haven't that they haven't considered. Um, and it's one of the things I'm really conscious of is its impact on on support teams. Service desk, for example, or your internal support desk. If I do that and this change perhaps goes wrong, are the number of calls now going to start escalating for that for that support desk? Because that's not a fun story. Tell me a little bit what you hate most about the cybersecurity industry. I think the thing that gets to me most is the battle them with bullshit mindset that too many people have. And I know that there are a lot of practitioners out there who are guilty of this. I know there are a lot of vendors out there who are guilty about this. Um, there are t- too many people think that if you fall into jargon and start spouting geek speak, that you're going to impress people. In fact, the opposite is true. All you're going to do is turn them off because they're going to start tuning you out and then you've lost your message and potentially you've lost an opportunity that could be quite valuable. So security at the end of the day is always always around business risk and what it means for our business if we get it wrong. And if I cannot explain to my executives what the business risk is, what the um, of a particular vulnerability or um, whatever the case may be, if I cannot explain how it could potentially impact uh, our achievement of our strategy, I failed completely. How do you how do you propose those who are stuck in those ways? shift to the softer skills, shift to understanding how to articulate to the business side of things? It's a, it's a bit of a, I guess it's a bit of a daisy chain. Um, if this happens, then what? So if we have, let's, let's take the, the Log4j debacle last year uh, in December, uh, where the bad guys could have potentially got in to our systems and they, they, you know, it was a remote code uh, execution. Um, they could have got, if, they, if they'd been able to exploit that vulnerability, they could have done some really, really ugly things. So what would those ugly things be? What does, how does that stop us from achieving our business strategy? Well, they could have taken over our systems. They could have mucked up the, the infrastructure that our clients rely on to um for to to keep their businesses running that would have been a, a really unpleasant discussion to have with our clients around hey sorry that we the services that we be providing you aren't running at the moment because you know somebody's gone and done something nasty um we don't really want to be having those conversations so if we can't you need to make those links if this then that and i would suggest that that's something that uh, teams need to think about and if they're not sure how to answer those questions, well, then go and talk to somebody who perhaps doesn't, isn't technical. Go and talk to your marketing manager. Go and talk to your communications manager. Say to them, I've got this issue. Um, can, I, can I practice on you to explain it? Because if you, and then you can tell me that if, you, if I've understood, if I've explained it okay and you understood what I said. Doesn't, and go and speak to your boss's executive assistant, somebody who's not technical, because if you can explain to a non-technical person what the impact is, then it's so much more likely that you'll be able to have those business conversations. 
is there um, acceptance and from the business side, open arms to provide that feedback and validate? What I'm trying to say is, is is the relationship bi-directional? Is there a bridge from the business side back to the technical side and vice versa? Or do you feel like there may be some barriers these days that still need to be broken? Uh, we still got some barriers to be broken. Um, I, I, I'm busy recruiting uh, for, uh, for a position and I sent out an email yesterday to uh, internally to say, hey, I've, I've got this position open. And I, I said to my, in my, my subject line was, would you like to join the team that says yes, but not that way? Um, and I said in the body of the email, I said, contrary to uh, popular uh, perception, I'm actually not, my middle name is not Dr. No. So there are a lot of people who feel that security just gets in the way. And that is, that is a wrong perception to have. And that's not totally their fault. It's not totally our fault, but We've got we're part of that problem because of the fact that we haven't done a good enough job to help build those bridges and explain to them why we do what we say we need to do. Security should never get in the way of somebody doing their job. If we if they right. if we do, we've made a mistake. Okay, so this while we can have a, you know a very long and deep conversation about this, but I don't want to get off track. And okay. we 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 shall have you back to talk about this and. And in different forms as well. But Wonderful. let's 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 get back into the goal of this conversation. And I would love to know, as as the head of corporate information security at CCL, what is your one bleeding neck challenge? Oh, my one bleeding neck challenge. Um, okay, everybody in New Zealand, and I think everybody in the security community worldwide is going to tell you there are just not enough people. Um, we, New Zealand, with our borders being closed for so long, we, I, I said to my team this morning, that we're in, it's actually, if we're in a bit of a state of cannibalism at the moment because everybody's just trying to eat everybody else in terms of poaching their staff and their team members. Um, I know worldwide that there is a huge shortage of security practitioners and they're not just going to grow on trees we're going to have to develop them. So that position that I was talking about is a, is a growth position. And I've said, I want to take somebody who's not got a whole lot of security experience, but you've got some technical experience that I can build on to turn you into a security practitioner. So I'll be putting together a growth plan and a development plan for the person who's, who's selected. That's excellent. Would it be fair to say, or I, I don't want to lead with this, but how do you how do you solve that challenge? Do you resort to tools or solutions to kind of alleviate that, that skills shortage or the, the, the people shortage? Tools can help to a certain extent. And one of the biggest ways to alleviate that shortage is automation. If we can start automating alerting, for example, or patching, and take and let people focus on the stuff that actually needs a human brain to analyze, that's going to go a whole long way to, to helping us with the skill shortage. So automation is definitely something, security orchestration and automation, we've got to do more of it. Take me back to the day when you first decided to evaluate a tool for security orchestration and automation. Tell me what happened. 
So when we, when we do our evaluations, if I haven't understood what my requirements are, then I'm going to choose a wrong tool. So whatever I'm doing, if needs to start off with requirements, definition, requirements, gathering, ranging from functional to non-functional. If I don't, that's going to help me size my problem. It's also then going to help me make the make the decision around what's what's good for our business and what what are we going to be, what's going to fit in with the, our our business model, our strategy, but most of all, the teams that are going to have to operate that tool. So requirements definition is absolutely critical, because then after that, if you've got that clear list, then looking at the two, three, four vendors that you may have or tools that you may have shortlisted, it becomes so much easier to do that. I want you to kind of remember that time when you had to create those requirements with your team. Why didn't you do it sooner? What held you back or or what changed uh, that you had to decide that now's the right time to solve this challenge and achieve this goal to to automate things for your team? The pure amount of time that it was taking us to respond to all the stuff coming coming at us, you know, every person who's uh, who's who ever has to work in a in a soccer security operations center will know that there's a hell of a lot of noise. If you don't have some way of filtering out some of that noise, you're going to be heading for the for the loony bin very very quickly um, because mm-hmm. you're going to be stressed out of your mind. So mm-hmm. with trying to filter just so much information. And then, of course, we get the adverse effects of not only on the people, but then also in the signal signal to noise ratio is just wrong, and you miss the stuff that you really needed to know about. Mm-hmm. Take me through the journey and what you did and thought about while evaluating those solutions. What 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 does it look like? Okay, you 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 know that you have to look for solutions. How do you go about doing that? So once we've got those requirements, my preferred way of doing so is to say to, um, it's to it's essentially just to do a bit of a closed tender to vendors, to say, you the guys that look like you've got the right solution for us, um, you're not, but, you know, maybe, maybe we'd approach three or four and say, it looks like the tools that you've got would be of interest to us. Here's our requirements. Now you tell us how you match up on those requirements. I don't want to have to do the work and do the analysis. You do the analysis for me. Tell me what you what you can do for me and how you're going to solve my problem. Um, show me the value that you're going to that you're going to deliver to me. And most importantly, what are you going to be delivering in the future? When I can see that there's a good solid roadmap, um, and that even if there is perhaps some some restrictions on value now, but there's going to be huge value in the future. I'm far more likely to look at that vendor favorably. How do you go about finding those specific solutions though that you you know that you want to reach out? You know, there there are specific methods to the madness, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, we can all go and do a go- do some Google research, right? Um quite often it is it's worth talking to um our partners. Um, so CCL is owned by the Spark Business Group in New Zealand. 
they may have some tools that we would want to look at uh, and we may, and it may make sense for us to, to adopt what they've got because, hey, what they've got makes sense for us too. But also then talking to peers in the industry to say, look, this is what we, we're shaping up. What have you got? What have you used? Um, give me your, your feedback on product X and Y or uh, if, you, um, if you haven't got any feedback on that, what have you heard about others using? So those that those networking con, um, conversations uh, are really really helpful. What kind of groups are those? Are those like offline, like uh, Slack or Discords? Are they forums in Reddit? What do those look like? So for my personal preference, it tends to be forums um, and roundtables, for example where I can uh, hook up with people that I, I find of, of like mind. And um, and then I can form relationships with, with people that may be peers, but then I can say, but th then those relationships have meaning. Um, sometimes it's even relationships with people I've worked with previously who I know have gone on to, to do other things. And then I can say to them, look, where you're at at the moment, what are you, how would you help solve this particular one. Mm, you you talk about relationships and we're definitely going to get into that a little bit later because I'm all about relationships. Hardly. Um I I do want to know though before we we dig into that fun stuff. Um are there any people that influence you to buy or are you are you alone as the buying committee or do you have kind of a group that you have to consult with? I would definitely consult with my um with my fellow managers. Uh so I am We've we've got a team of well, within my peers peer managers. There's a there's a team of us who I've got another security manager. He um he's my peer. He's mostly focused on our operational security and our client security. Um, but there's also teams within our operation space, and they may have they will often have a say in in what we decide to adopt because of the fact that maybe it will impact on them and how they do what they do. So I certainly wouldn't want to make this decision on my own. It would definitely be a collaborative decision that we would take together because if we if we fail, then we fail collectively. It's not just on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How long on average does it take to kind of select solutions and, and say, okay, here's, here's the check, let's go and kick it off? I think it comes in. It completely depends on what it is, and money is often the biggest biggest deciding factor on how long we make a decision, how long we take to decide about something. You know, if it's a couple of thousand dollars, well, just go for it. Uh, if it's if we're starting to get into the sort of the hundreds of thousands of dollars, then we're going to be a lot want to be a lot more mindful around what we're selecting, and certainly about um, outlining the benefits that we're going to get back for that, and make sure that we are able to sweep that asset to it to the very last cent. Are there any differences or anomalies right now in the market in New Zealand that, um, you know, marketers or salespeople or vendors can take advantage of? Um, I think probably in New Zealand is the fact that we're still seen as a very small market. Um, New Zealand, I think, has been seen as the, has, has been forgotten in so many ways. But actually there's some, some, uh, vendors and there's a, there's a couple of global players who've realized that New Zealand's actually a pretty good test bed for some of the stuff that they want to roll out. 
because of the fact that we are so far ahead of everybody uh, in terms of time zones of everybody else. I think uh, Sydney in Australia is two hours behind us. So if something breaks in New Zealand, they can turn it off and then they've got a bit of time to fix it before they roll it out to the rest of the world, particularly the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good feedback. That's good to know. Hopefully, w hopefully New Zealand's not used for, for breaking things, but okay. Um, that's a valid point. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I want to get into the fun stuff now. Oh, yeah. Um, what do you think are some cardinal rules, vendors, marketers, or salespeople? What's above, below, and in between are, are breaking these days? Uh, where do I start? Okay, so the one that just gets to me is, and you and I have spoken about this, is researchers, are your vendors not doing their research? <laughs> I have had so many emails from people who haven't bothered to have a look at what does my company do? What do I do? Um, they send out mass emails that are just not even relevant to to my to my role um, or what CCL does. Uh, yeah, they 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 don't even take the trouble to to tweak them. Um, but I think with that also another rule that they're breaking is that they just no longer truly understand their customers, or, or many don't. They don't understand the space they're in. If I have bought their widget, then am I getting the best from it? Have, have, have they understood what I'm actually doing with that widget? Um, is there anything that they can do to help me get more out of it? Too many vendors, once, once, once the check has been signed and perhaps implementation is done, that's it, no more. Um, if, you, if you ask them for support, it's like log a ticket with a support desk and hopefully somebody will get back to you. Mm. I also really am interested in understanding what they've got in their roadmap um, because I am constantly looking at our strategy. What are we going to be doing six months, a year from now? Um, too many vendors don't volunteer that information. I've got to go and drag it out of them. And, but it, and that's actually to their detriment because if I knew what, um, what's coming up, then maybe I might actually be opening a checkbook to, uh, to, to buy a little more. There you go. That's mm -hmm. a great point right there. Mm -hmm. Now we can go we can go down two rabbit holes and I'm I'm deciding red pill or blue pill. I don't know yet. <laughs> but <clears throat> we'll go about we'll go down both. We'll okay. go down one, we'll go back up and then we'll go back go down the other. Okay. Um and now I'm losing my train of thought because I'm thinking about uh, the matrix. Uh okay. So you talked about crappy emails. Mm -hmm. We've had those discussions. Um to you, what is the structure of a good email, if anything? And if this is difficult to answer now, we could take it offline. But, um, you know, we're doing a lot of fun stuff on on what the fuck did I just read? Yeah. And I'm trying to provide as best as possible the alternatives based on feedback I'm getting from security practitioners. But we haven't yet uncovered and unveiled the ideal structure of a good email that would pique your interest or that would say, okay, I I'm going to take a minute maybe to reply or to put this on the back burner and think about it. Okay. Subject line matters, obviously. 
um, especially when I'm scrolling through dozens of emails and, uh, you know, I wake up in the morning and there's a whole lot of emails that have come through overnight because while I've been sleeping, the rest of the world's been wide awake. The one email that came in this morning, actually, that, that got my interest was um, uncovering the mystery of Linux security. And he opened his, his email with saying, I hope I've got your attention because as I, I see that, you're in, that you enjoy mystery novels, um, maybe that got your attention. So how can I talk to you a little bit more about Linux security? Now that got my attention because he appealed to me personally. Um, he picked on something that I'm interested in. So I haven't responded to him yet, but at the same time, I, have, I haven't just gone and clicked the delete button or the unsubscribe link. Um, and I probably will actually maybe talk to this guy. The other one that um, got my interest was I was invited to a round table this morning uh, with, again, some like-minded folks about a topic that's dear to my heart, which is just happens to be incident management and sharing knowledge and experience around security incident management is the topic of that. So when vendors are offering me value, the opportunity to learn, or educate or share experiences with other with other people so I can learn from them. That's always hugely valuable for me. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take much to, to learn about that. You can no. get that straight out of your LinkedIn profile if you just click the see more on your about section. There so, you go. <laughs> it doesn't take much legwork, people. It does um, not. It does not. And and those didn't necessarily request a transaction. It was just kind of uh, an initial conversation and yeah. some discovery and research. And it could very well be that something is said during one of during those conversations that helps me realize that oh, actually, you know what? There is a problem here that I perhaps haven't yet sized up, and I didn't realize was was lurking mm. underneath the hood. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. I should just investigate a little bit more. And it could well be that whatever they're selling may actually fix me, help me fix the problem that I've, that I've uh, uncovered. Yeah, and so there are three elements here that I, I want to just uncover again. Subject line matters. Totally. Uh, context and personalization based on yep. your personal your interests. Yes. And giving you value or teaching you or piquing your interest with something that you might not have been thinking about before, which is a little hard to pinpoint, but is doable. It is doable, but the value and the opportunity to learn is mm -hmm. always, certainly for me, is going to get my interest. And I think with given how much security practitioners have to learn on a daily basis, it's probably going to get the interest of uh, the attention of many other people as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. All right, we're going to go into some storytelling time. Awesome. Love telling stories. We're heading, yeah, we're heading towards the end of the session. And this is also a fun part. We're, we're having lots of fun here. We are. Uh, <laughs> what's the worst thing that you've experienced from a vendor? Oh, goodness. I, there, are, there are quite a few of those. But I think the worst thing is, I alluded to this a little earlier, where the checkbook was signed product was implemented and then it was like yeah um mm. and we had to figure it out on our own um and there was just nothing that came back afterwards to help us get the best out of it needless mm -hmm. to say that wasn't one of my proudest moments and it was not one of the projects that i'd like to talk about on my cv 
Shit happens. Shit happens. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> oh, my good. If I if I told you how many times that's happened to me, whew, Ew, uh, we will bet. not divulge. No. Uh, okay, so let's flip it on its head. What's what's one thing a vendor has done that made you feel good? I've got two vendors that I've dealt with in the past. One of them I still deal with today that I class as my hands-down favorite vendors. These guys, um, if they ever say to me, will you give me a reference, it'll be without any hesitation. It'll be a wholehearted endorsement. Um, the guys that I still deal with in my current position, and trust me, the second lot I would continue to deal with. It's just that I've inherited some stuff, um, a competing service. So I can't go in and unwind that contract as much as I'd like to. But the team that I still deal with today, um, they, they've they gone out of their way to um, build a relationship with me. I talk to them regularly. I, I have lots of banter with them when, I, when, I, when, when we meet up. Um, but the biggest part, Apart from the, you know, the the relationship side of things, the the other thing is also, um, I can go to them and say, hey, you guys have screwed up. Uh, what have you done here? You've released a feature. In fact, they did this just not so long ago. They released a feature without telling us about it, and they they wholeheartedly ap- apologized and they they helped us sort out the issue. Um, and I, the 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 technical account manager that I deal with regularly sends out emails to say, hey, this is about to be released. It's in beta. It'll be in general release uh, soon. Um, this is how it's going to help you. And it's not a marketing email. It's something he's written himself. So I really enjoy working with these guys because of the fact that they so often go above and beyond. And when I reach out to them and say, we've got a problem, please help us solve it. They will... They're not going to tell me to report a ticket to, to, to send a ticket to the support desk. They will go and find the people to help us. Those are the vendors that I really, really enjoy working with. I love that. Yeah, just going above and beyond, mission before money, Absolutely. making sure you're able to do your job well, enabling you. Absolutely. And that particular vendor, actually, we're not even one of his primary customers, but he still does it because he knows that we could. I talk to a lot of people. So if, if, if I endorse, give him an endorsement, it means something. Exactly. And and there's one line that you had mentioned uh, right before you you opened up on relationships. You inherited competitors. Mm. And you cannot wiggle out of that. I wish I could. Um, this, for this particular service, I don't like it all that much. The software is a service. Um but uh, yeah, his contract's in place, and I, I wish I could unwind it, but nah. unfortunately, I just have to deal with, with the product that is substandard as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> key, key, key insight here, because as marketers, we're like, oh, let's displace the competitor. But what you need to understand is sometimes you just can't. <laughs> you need to wait. No. Yeah. But, uh, you know, don't push that. Um, if anything, make sure... I mean, I think it would be relevant to arm you with some information, and when you're ready, yep. you could come. Yep. But, uh, and, and in some cases, it's not about displacing. It's just adding and complementing we go. as well. There we go. Um, but who knows, if I move to my next role at a different company and they haven't got a particular product, guess what? If those guys give me the same service that they did at the previous company, 
they're gonna get a they're gonna get the check and that's why those relationships are important you don't know where that is going to take you Precisely. in the future Precisely. right i love this this is awesome we have uncovered so much gold so much gold here i love this session before we sign off yeah is there one thing you'd like to impart on the audience today um i think the one thing is you know if you're a vendor please do your research please go and make sure that you understand who you who you're talking to um if anybody's followed my posts on LinkedIn, they would have said that uh, they would have seen that the last couple of months I've, I've written a couple of open dear vendor letters um, about their the annoying practices. But the one that gets me every time is somebody who who emails me and says, "Oh, would you like to know about this service?" And I've emailed them back and said, "Yeah, we always love talking to our competitors about what they're doing, and um, we'd love to learn more." Strange enough, I never hear from those guys again. I get that too, sadly. <laughs> sadly, it's just poor and lazy, yeah. in my opinion. But um, yeah, hopefully we're making some differences with just in, imparting this wisdom to oh, yeah. those who are listening. Keyword listening. Totally. There are those who are listening. And for those listening, if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe to Audience First. We already have a growing community there. So join the resistance and the community to do things a little bit better. That is my call to action today. Uh, Jenny, this has been absolutely amazing. And I'm so excited that we finally connected face-to-face. -face, and I hope person-to-person -person in life very soon. Totally. You are welcome to come back anytime. And we will touch base regarding some other side projects that I think could be uh, beneficial to the world. Lovely. With that, have a beautiful evening. I know it's it's heading towards evening, right? It's already nighttime. Yeah, almost almost dinner time. So Nick, let me go and see what my husband's cooked up for us. Oh, delicious. Bon appetit. <laughs> and you have a wonderful day and uh, hope it's a successful one for you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.